Hello everyone, you are listening to the Igbo Initiative podcast with Ugochi Onyewu. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Igbo Initiative podcast, where we celebrate all things Igbo. We speak to amazing women in different walks of life who are either Igbo or who are friends of Igbo culture. Today, we speak with Jules Brown. Jules is originally from Arondizogu in Imo State, Eastern Nigeria, but she grew up in Lagos. Jules conjures up the image of the traveler on the road less traveled. She is very much the individualist who has blazed her own trail and defined success on her own terms. She is a fitness inspiration who started her fitness journey in earnest a few years ago after the birth of her second child. Jules is also a wanderlust who combines her passion for traveling with fitness and she will be starting a new project called The Complete Experience this year in 2019. On today's show, we discuss ways to start a fitness regimen for beginners. We talk about the myth concerning getting bulky with strength training. We also discuss the definition of success and the perfect day in the life of this amazing, strong, evil woman. Hey, Jules. Thank you for joining. How are you? I am very well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. This is going to be a funny, fun and interesting conversation because uh, <laughs> I, for one, have a lot of questions for me personally, selfishly, but I'm sure the audience would uh, love to hear your insights on all things fitness and travel. So I'm really excited to speak with you. I'm excited too. Yes, yes, that's great. Maybe we can just kick off the conversation Um and just start by telling us a little bit about yourself. I know you're Igbo, obviously, but where in Igbo land are you from? What was life growing up as an Igbo girl? What's your knowledge of the Igbo language? Let's just learn a little bit about you, if you don't mind. Okay, so I am originally from Arondizogo in Imo State. Okay. And um, I was born in Enugu. Um, but we moved to Lagos pretty early. So I really do not have much of a recollection of ever even living in Enugu at all. But I was raised in Lagos. Um, and uh, I guess my knowledge of the Igbo language is that we did speak Igbo at home uh, growing up. I come from a family of where five of us. Uh, two girls and three boys. I'm the middle child. Mm. Um, and we did, we were raised speaking Igbo. Um, but the only thing that I do remember is that my my youngest brother, who is the last born, uh, did not speak Igbo. And even though we would speak Igbo, he understood it. He would always respond in English. <laughs> so I think towards the later part of uh, my childhood, I think that probably uh, there was a lot more influence uh, living in, you know, a non-Evo speaking mm -hmm. state, so mm -hmm. to speak. And so uh, we would kind of go in between English and Evo all the time at home mm -hmm. because of my little brother. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. You know, <laughs> would you find that, you know, being in a non-speaking, even just being here in the U.S., being in a non-speaking Igbo environment, even though you're fluent, do you find that you get rusty a little bit when you don't speak it all the time? Yes, definitely. <laughs> I find myself sometimes like searching for a word 
And I'm like, I know I know this word in Igbo. <laughs> you know, word in Igbo, it's like at the tip of my tongue, but I can't come up with it. Yes. And then I get confused sometimes. Yes. And so I feel like, I feel it's because I'm not hearing it mm. being spoken around me. Mm. I don't get to speak it to anyone. My, unfortunately, my, my boys, I have two boys. Uh, one is uh, 24 and one is uh, 16 and a half and they don't speak Igbo. Mm. So I find that I'm very rusty because I'm not speaking the language. And it does really affect you if you're not around where you can actually hear it. Even if you're not speaking it and you can actually hear it. Yeah. I feel like that really does affect your your mastery of the language yeah, uh, over a period of time. Yes. It does. It does. And your boys do. Have they expressed any kind of interest in learning? Do they know any words at all? You know, it's a work in progress for me. But I'm just... to be honest, if I'm totally honest, that is one thing that I really regret. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if there was really much I could have done about it mm-hmm. because unfortunately, my ex is American. Mm-hmm. So we didn't speak any Nigerian language in the house. Mm-hmm. And so I, I found it very hard. I think initially I started by trying to speak Igbo to my boys. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, things like Geba or, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, those kind of very, very short yeah. uh, uh, sentences mm-hmm. in the hopes that at least they would hear just generally. Um, but over a period of time, it was a lot of work because one, I didn't have anybody else who was speaking the language to me um, for them to actually hear that interaction. And then over a period of time, um, I guess I just kind of like gave up, and which I totally, totally regret. It takes a lot of work um, when you're here in the state, even when you have uh, a partner that speaks the language, how much more when, when yes. you're the only one in the household that speaks the language. So that's definitely something that I do regret. I really wish um, that my boys uh, could at least even hear, even if they're not going to speak it. Mm-hmm. And I know that um, my older one, the younger one, no, he has not expressed any <laughs> any desire to learn. Um, but my older one, who is 24, we, 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 we went down to Nigeria uh, for Christmas, and it was mm. the first time they were there in a long, long time, mm. at, at least as adults. The last time they were there was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, and they were only there for about maybe three days, but this time we spent about almost two weeks. Mm. And I know that my older one was saying to me, he says, oh, I really wish that I, he could speak any Nigerian, he was like any Nigerian language. He <laughs> yes. just wanted to be able to speak one, you know. But yeah, you, it's interesting actually because I can relate. But but you know, it's not too late. You know, it's not today. I think it's something. I I do agree that there's not really much you can do about it now because I mean your your son's 24, but for him, he could go out on his own now. There are so many tools out there, right? The Ebo 101 app, which I'll make available uh, to the audience as well. There, there's so many resources. Oh, wow. Yes. Yes, and that... okay, that's really nice because I just came across. Uh, uh, it's called Ebo Podcast. Yes, on um, I, on IG. Yes, and I've been using it yes. actually. Yes, <laughs> it's like every time I see it, I play it, even though you know I just listen to it. But yeah. I kind of feel like at least I can do that on a daily basis. I feel like okay, at least I can. I'm actually hearing it. Yes, hearing Ebo being spoken. Absolutely. So I've definitely sent that to my son. But yes. you're right. I mean, yeah. he could always, if he really wants to pursue it. I think that there are just so many, so many areas where one can get help uh, to do that. I definitely would love to hear about this Ebo 101. Yes, (laughs) there are a lot of resources on social media and I will put them in the show notes, this episode's show notes as well. And I'll actually tag. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll make that available to everyone. 
I am interested, though, is, uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about you being Igbo and speaking, growing up in an Igbo speaking household, obviously, even though your children don't speak, you still have that deeply rooted sense of culture, because that's kind of how you grew up. And Mm -hmm. I'm just curious as to how that has impacted your life and how being an Igbo girl, what influence your Igbo parents had on your life? I think for for me, um, I always look at my culture and being an Igbo person, I sometimes find that um, it's it's something that I'm very, very proud of. Like, I, I, I feel like the Igbo language is an incomparable language. Hmm. Um, there's a deep connection to uh, our traditions uh, if you're able to actually speak the language mm-hmm. because you have a better understanding of where you're coming from. And mm-hmm. I know that from my parents, um, they they had uh, this uh, uh, pride of being, Igbo, you know, being evil. Mm-hmm. And I think also, I don't know, maybe it was also because they lived in a predominantly non-evil seeking uh, state. Mm-hmm. You kind of feel like they felt like they, they had to always um, imbibe in us what it meant, what our heritage meant to us, you know, mm-hmm. what our tradition, you know, you'd, I'm sure a lot of evil people will 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 know what I mean when they will say ah, we don't. That's not how we behave. Mm-hmm. We don't behave that way, yeah. or we don't do this that way, or we yes. don't. You know, yeah. those are things that at that time you don't even realize what it is, but it does build a sense of um, pride mm-hmm. in who in who you are. Mm-hmm. But now, um, at the same time, I also realize um, that. While I may, while I may have moments of pride, I also don't want to be seen as feeling like evil. The evil culture is like an exclusive uh, uh, canon on on speaking about being Nigerian. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I, I find do. that sometimes that's very alienating mm-hmm. um, to the other to the other cultures that mm-hmm. we 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 have in in the country, mm-hmm. and that that is something that is very deep rooted where we we separate ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I'm always very careful about that as well, mm-hmm. um, because I also realize that I, as a person, I don't have any merit in creating my heritage. Mm-hmm. I just have a very small role in preserving it and then building upon it. Absolutely. Now, I know that when it comes to my kids, I may have failed them in terms of the language, mm. um, but I certainly have not failed them in terms of preserving what it means to be, first of all, Igbo, mm. and then second of all, to be Nigerian, mm. uh, living, living in, in America. So for me, it's, it's a privilege. And um, I, I feel like I love my culture. I love what it means to me, but it by no means makes me superior to others or even more special. Absolutely. I just know that my culture certainly influences, you know, how I how I um, how I tackle certain scenarios, what I believe in when it comes to uh, you know whether it's respect, uh, whether it comes to responsibility to my kids, uh, whether it comes to to how I relate. Uh, in terms of friendship, I know that it all the root of it is all from from how I was raised mm. as an as an evil person. Mm. Um, mm. So so yeah. I definitely feel like as if I have a lot, you know, I have a lot to to do in terms of like preserving preserving that culture. Yeah, and you know, you raised. I'm so glad you brought this up. Actually, I think this is may this may be one of the first times we've actually had an opportunity to talk about this. You've made you've made an excellent point in the sense that. 
celebration of one thing is by no means meant to be exclusive of anything else, right? So you talk about how you're proud no. of being Igbo. However, you know, the, the Yoruba person yeah. is proud of being Yoruba. The Italian person, you know, is, is proud of being mm -hmm. Italian. And I think, yeah. you know, it's a celebration of all cultures. It's a celebration of everyone. Um, and I think that's an important point. The celebration of being Igbo is by no means meant to exclude or denounce another culture or to your point, uh, specifically imply that in some way the Igbo culture is more superior to any other. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah. And I, I, you know, yeah. I think that's really important. I'm glad you, you, you talked about that. So I am curious, though, how did you end up in the U.S.? So you moved to Lagos. You grew up in Lagos. I grew up in Lagos. <laughs> I grew up in Lagos. I went to um, elementary, primary school, secondary school, and then I also went to college in 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 Lagos mm -hmm. as well. And then I met my husband, who is Amer who, who who my ex husband, who is American. I met him actually in Nigeria, mm -hmm. and then we lived in Nigeria. He's a diplomat, so we lived in Nigeria for a couple of years. Moved to other. Uh, parts of the world for a couple of years and then ended up back here in America in uh, 2002. Mm -hmm. So we moved back here in 2002. And so that was my, my coming to, I had traveled to America in the past, you know, but obviously as a tourist and as a visitor, uh, but I had also worked for the U.S. Department of Commerce um, as a foreign national outside mm. of the U.S., mm. so I had a lot of dealings with with the with uh, with the U.S. Mm. I had come in to do a couple of uh, educational certifications that had to do with work, so I had lived in the U.S. Mm. So I've been coming back and forth, but I only moved to the U.S. in 2002. So I've been here for uh, 16 plus mm. years now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's how I ended up here. I and I didn't end up here. It was kind of grudgingly. I didn't want to move to the U.S. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mm. I really did not want to move to the U.S. I mm. think moving to the U.S. as an adult, I mean, I was uh, 32 years old when I moved here. Mm. So, mm. I mean, you know, you're kind of setting your ways. And so it was it was a very, very hard transition for me, mm. Um, mm -hmm. moving moving to the States. Mm -hmm. It was very hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Interesting, interesting. So we've we've covered the sort of the basics. I want to pivot a little bit into fitness. Now, that's kind of how you and I met, right? It's through kind of the fitness, yeah. Nigerian runners and the whole fitness by Jules yeah. on Facebook. <laughs> so, you know, and I, I've learned a lot from you, obviously, as a fitness person. But I wanted to ask you a few questions. First of all, just to set the stage, have you always been into fitness even when you were in Nigeria or was it something you picked up kind of when you moved to the U.S.? I've always actually been an athlete. Mm -hmm. um, I ran uh, track uh, when I was in uh, college. Uh, no, even before college, I ran track. Mm -hmm. um, I ran track in secondary school. I ran track the first year of college. And then, of course, you know how it is when you get into college and then you get the, the suddenly you're able to uh, spread your wings and fly. And I was like, no, 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 I don't want to spend all my time training <laughs> to run. I'm like, I'm done with it. I want to be able to go out to parties with my friends. And so I kind of ditched track after one year in college. Mm. And then I didn't do anything at all. I, I, I didn't do anything at all. Like literally did not work out, did not do go to the gym, you know, whatever. 
uh, until after I moved here and I had my son, my second boy. Uh, so sometime after that was when I was like, okay, wow, it does not look like my body is snapping back to you <laughs> what it was before. And, it, you know, where it happened so organically with the first, mm. it did not happen organically with the second. And mm. so I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to do something. And so I um, started going to the gym, but didn't really quite see much of a result because I didn't really know too much mm. about, um, I was a natural athlete, so never worried about what I ate or nutrition. You know, I didn't really have that background of knowing, oh, you're supposed to eat healthy. Mm. I, I was lucky in the sense that I've always eaten healthy. I think if you lived in Nigeria, you really mm. are not a junk yes. person. Yes. Um, and if you've lived in Nigeria until you're an adult, you typically would have formed certain habits that just naturally lean you towards eating healthy. So I was never really into junk food and, mm -hmm. and did, that didn't change when I moved here. But at the same time, I wasn't really knowledgeable about uh, health and fitness and nutrition. Um, so I started doing some research. And while I was doing some research, I had a friend who, um, uh, who was uh, training for the marathon and she, she would go run in the, uh, she used to run, instead of running, she wasn't a road runner, she used to run uh, trails. Hmm. And so she used to be worried as a female to go run trails by yeah. herself. And so she yeah. would be like, hey, you know, Jules, can you come with me? And I'm like, look, I'm not a, ru I'm not a runner. I'm a track. <laughs> mm -hmm. I run track. I don't know how to do this long distance yeah. thing. I can't help you. You know, and she was like, well, you know what? You know, even if I just know that you're walking the trail and I know I can go, I can look around mm -hmm. and I know you're there, mm -hmm. it'll make me feel better and safer. So mm -hmm. that's how we started. And so every now and then I'll join her and I'll run a little bit. And so every week I was running a little further and a little further. And before you knew it, I mean, I was practically training with her, running with her, but I wasn't signed up to, to run any race. And mm -hmm. so, um, so she said to me, you know, why don't you just sign up? Let's do this next. She was going to do another race after this one. Mm -hmm. And it was the Marine Corps Marathon. Oh, wow. So this was in 2000. Yeah, this was in 2009. <laughs> so I... I started my long distance running in 2009 huh. and that was how I signed up for the, I had no idea that the Marine Corps Marathon was such a big deal. Mm -hmm. I, I, I registered and got in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't mm -hmm. even realize that it was so hard to get it in the mm -hmm. first place. You know, mm -hmm. they say sometimes ignorance is bliss. I yes. had no clue. Mm -hmm. and, and so I, I ran my first marathon in 2009 and it was the Marine Corps Marathon. Mm -hmm. And that was how uh, at least running my fitness running journey started but mm -hmm. in between that I was doing a lot of research about nutrition about health and fitness working out and I found that it was just something that really helped me um, because in 2009 I lost my mom and she mm -hmm. passed away uh, quite suddenly and my mom was like 62 so she was pretty young mm -hmm. um, and I went through this grieving period where I, I, I had depression and mm -hmm. so exercising and running and, and literally saved my life then mm. because I would work out and it was just kind of like my, my therapy. Mm. And that was actually the reason why my friend would in, invited me out because she was like, you know, you're not going out, you're staying at home all the time, mm. you know, just come out with me, get some sun, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. And that's how it started. Mm. So for me, running is such an intricate part of my life mm. because it really just uh, uh, gives me an outlet that is like my time. Mm. Um, I spend time meditating. I spend time praying, you know, and, and generally when I'm, when I'm out running mm. or even just working out, it just, it, it's just something that I, I, I don't know that I could do without. So no, 
I've not always been <laughs> you know, a fitness uh, fanatic, mm-hmm. but um, and I certainly didn't start running a long distance until 2009. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. I, I totally understand um, what you mean when you say running is therapy. I really do understand that, and you know, I, I'm sure that helped you. Like you said, it saved your life and just helped you through that really difficult time of grieving for your mother. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, I know that you don't, you don't necessarily run marathons now you run shorter distances, but you still run obviously, right? Yes, I do still run. And literally what I have decided to do was to just do a full marathon once a year. And I'm trying to combine, um, the two passions of my life, which is fitness and travel. Mm -hmm. And so I try to pick a destination that I've not been to and then try to find a race that I can run there just once a year. And so it's kind of like something that I've started doing for the last three years. Um, um, But outside of that, yes, I still run, but I do a lot more of a strength training, Mm -hmm. um, which is really more of uh, what I would say would be my fitness regimen now Mm -hmm. would be more strength training. And I try to stagger it like during the winter months, I don't do a lot of running. Um, just simply because it's really cold out and you, you know, once it snows, sometimes it's on the ground for like weeks and weeks. Mm-hmm. And so and I'm not a thread. I, I just cannot run on, or train on treadmill. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to kind of adjust my fitness regimen depending on the season. Mm-hmm. And so I do a lot more strength, you know, strength uh, training now, a lot of body weight exercises. I try to mix it up uh, just so that I don't get. I don't get bored. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And you talked about um, combining your passion of running with travel and we'll get to travel because I'm really excited to talk to you about that too. But before we do, I guess for the audience listening and, and I know you, you know, I know that you're a runner, a fast runner at that. And I know that you're into strength training. And so obviously it shows, you know, you're, you're in great shape, but I guess for the audience at home who are kind of, interested in starting a regime and I thought it was interesting how you talked about really starting in 2009 because that's actually a question I do have for you but if someone's just starting out maybe they've never worked out or maybe they've worked out very lightly never really been committed to a fitness journey where should they start is it possible for someone who's never been serious about fitness to really see significant results i'm assuming that it is because you started in 2009 and obviously you yeah. see the results of that but where would you recommend people start because not everyone's going to get up one day and, and decide to train for a marathon you see where i'm going Yes, very true. And I think that that's what keeps people from starting. You know, people mm. look at it and they they look at the big goal and they don't realize that you have to start with those mini goals first. So the first thing for someone who is trying to start up a fitness regimen, it's for them to, first of all, have that commitment to themselves mm-hmm. because that's really what it is. You're going to have to decide why you're doing it. You know, for some people, they're doing it because they're trying to lose weight. So they have a goal weight to do. So and then for some people, they just want to be healthy. They know that, you know, not moving at all isn't good for them. So they know, OK, I have to start that. So first of all, I think people need to really truly search within themselves. Why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. And then commit to yourself that you're going to do it something different because Mm. if you don't make any changes nothing will change Mm -hmm. we all know that Mm -hmm. and so stop looking at that big goal of oh I want to become a runner oh I want I wish I could be like like Jules oh I wish I could be like Ogochi I see her every you know weekend posting 
uh, about this race or that race. And mm. I would say, just start. Mm. Just start. A lot of times, and I'll say this, and you cannot imagine how many people say it too, and I have said it before, oh, I'll start on a Monday. Yes. You don't need to start on a Monday. Yes. And so people will be like, oh, I'll start on a Monday. And if they miss Monday, they'll wait till the next week yeah. Monday again. <laughs> yes. I am telling you, mm. just start. Start mm. where you are. Start by walking. That's what I would say to the person who has never worked out, who doesn't know where to start at all. Start by working. Mm. Start by saying to yourself, I'm going to walk one mile today. See how long it takes you to walk one mile. The next day, determine that I'm going to... I'm going to walk a little faster mm. and just start from there. Mm. So if you're going to walk, just commit to yourself that I'm going to do something every day. And if I can't do every day, I can do every other day. But you just have to have a strategy mm-hmm. because if you don't have a strategy, then you don't, you don't have a focus. So that's what I would say. Whether you want to walk three times a week, you want to walk only twice a week, but determine to yourself, what is it that I can do that will be different mm. and start doing that. So mm. if you're walking, determine that, okay, for the next three months, I am going to try every week to increase the distance mm. that I'm walking. So even if the weather isn't okay, you can walk on a treadmill. Mm-hmm. So that's the great thing about it. Mm-hmm. And just determine to yourself that you're going to start. Once you start walking, because I always tell people, pick one thing. Hmm. face the, the, the exercise bit of it or you face the nutrition for hmm. some people it's easier for them to start with nutrition mm-hmm. for, and these are for those and i'm moving on now on to those who are trying to lose some weight they're, hmm. they're trying to exercise because they feel like they need to shed some pounds hmm. i would say for those who want to shed pounds totally different strategy from those who just need to move and get active mm-hmm. so if you're trying to shed pounds don't get out there and go buy all of the gym outfits, you know, whatever, if you've not cleaned up your diet, start with saying to yourself, I'm just going to do for the next week, I'm just going to increase how much water I drink. Mm. And then from there, oh, I'm going to start looking at what I eat. Can I cut out all of the, you know, white carbs? Mm. This is not to say you cut out all the carbs. And when I say white carbs, I mean like, you know, uh, all of the um, processed food. Mm -hmm. You know, determine to yourself, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Mm. Determine to yourself, okay, I'm going to kind of cut down on what I eat, not eliminating anything, but just saying to yourself, okay, this is usually the plate of food I eat. I'm going to eat half of it. Mm. So you plate it like you normally will plate it, but then you take half. And I know it might sound like it's wasteful, but you take half off the plate and you start with that. Mm -hmm. So what I'm trying to say is you have to start in very, very small, um, doable Mm. goals. Mm. So if you're doing it to lose weight, start with your nutrition, start cleaning it up and then add exercise once you have a, a, a good idea of how much you have been able to do with your food. Mm. I feel like a lot of times people try to do too much. You know, yes. they, they go on this very low calorie, they yes. cut off everything yes. and then they want to work out at the same time. And then suddenly it's like, oh, I can't do this. Yes. It's too much. Absolutely. And yeah, I'm so glad you raised that. It's it's uh, it's because it can be overwhelming. And like you broke it down and made it really simple. I love the the advice of focusing on one thing and then kind of just focusing on that and then building on top of that. So it's not trying to boil the ocean. And I think the other thing also is sustainability to your point, right, about being able to do something you can sustain um, uh, that will that will lead you into the years to come for a long time. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Yes, yeah, so it's a lifestyle. Yes. And it's not just always tied to 
a, a dress size or a, yes. a certain weight. Mm -hmm. Because the honest truth is life is never predictable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there are times when you can hit the goal and there are times you're not going to hit that goal. Mm -hmm. Even on this journey, even for those of us who have been doing this for years. <laughs> We go through periods where we're really doing very well. We yes. go through periods where we're not doing so good. Yes. But what makes the difference between us and maybe somebody who hasn't started is consistency. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that over a longer period of time, we've found a way that works for us that we're consistent at. So that in the times when we're not doing very well, it actually does not translate to you being able to see it visibly. That makes sense. You know, because you've done, because you've spent more time following through then you have not following through that makes sense. because it's become a lifestyle yeah you know yeah that makes sense that makes sense let's talk a little bit about strength training because i'm very curious you know there are a lot of people especially people who maybe haven't committed to a, a, a lifetime of working out that will say oh i don't want to lift weights it'll make me bulky i'm not trying to be like bulky i want to be lean what are your what are, what are your thoughts on that will lifting weights make women bulky you know, the thing is, I really don't even know where that came from. <laughs> I mean, think about it. I mean, really think about it because it has been studied mm -hmm. over a long period of time. I'm talking about people who that's their job. It's been researched. They've done all sorts of studies on this. Lifting weight does not make women bulky. Mm -hmm. I, people, when they think lifting weight, are thinking of bodybuilders. Mm. Bodybuilders, it's not just the lifting of the weights that is making the bodybuilder look so bulky and maybe like as far as a lot of people are concerned, both male and female, mm -hmm. they look manly. Mm -hmm. That is not what is causing anyone to look like that. Those mm. people are looking for that particular look. Mm. They work very hard to get that look. And that look involves they're taking certain supplements, mm -hmm. um, they're, they're lifting a certain a different way mm. that you as a normal person will never, mm. <laughs> will never even reach the kind of lifting that they do. Yeah. And I'm talking about lifting strategies. So it's yeah. not just about their the lifting. They're doing the same exercises you're doing, but the kind of weights that they're carrying, mm. the kind of progression that they're doing in terms of like lifting to the point of failure. You know, I mean, there's so many, I mean, if you, if people realize how hard this folks work before they can even get to look that bulky that we call them if you if you we cannot even begin to imagine the amount of work that these folks put yeah. in you're talking about people who work out twice a day yes seven yes. days a week yes i mean they're very strict on what they eat they're mm. drinking their protein not the regular protein that you're drinking they're <laughs> drinking all sorts of different types of supplements mm -hmm. uh you know or whatever and so i would say to people that I don't. I, I do the research. If you don't, if you think you just don't want to take one's word for it, mm. do the research and take a look at people who are bodybuilders and kind of look at what they do and tell me if you would even do one tenth of that. <laughs> so weight does not make women bulky. Lifting weight is what will help you burn fat because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you can do all the cardio in the world. Yes, you can do all the cardio in the world. And not be able to achieve the looks that you want. Yes. Because what will happen is, yes, you will drop, but you also drop lean muscle mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. and, and I know that women do not want to lose their curves either. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Oh, I'd be bulky, but at the same time, they don't want to lose their curves <laughs> either. So I say to people, lifting weight is what 
is the difference between you um, continuing to lose and burn the after burn after working out. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the weightlifting that helps mm-hmm. you do that. Mm-hmm. It's the weightlifting that helps you maintain and keep your weight down. Mm-hmm. Mm. Even when you're not working as hard in terms of like maybe cardio. Mm. Hmm. So it's a given that lifting weights does not make women bulky. And I don't know how, how else to put it. (laughs) It truly, it truly does not make women bulky. (laughs) I came from, it's like a myth. It's like one of those things where like an urban myth that has been said so often that people have believed it. Yeah. But yet there is no proof to it. Yes, absolutely. No, that, I <laughs> totally agree. Totally agree. And I'm glad we, we're sort of putting it out there for the audience to understand, especially for people who bought into that myth. That's that's great. Yeah. Now you talked about um, travel being your other passion. You talked about how you, you combine both passions, which is amazing, right? Your passion for exercise and running and travel, right? So you, you do a new race in a place that you haven't been or somewhere that you want to go again. So talk us through, you're a little bit of a wanderlust. Talk us through about some of the places that you've visited. Where have you been that's exotic? And uh, how do you pick where to go next? Well, I have always loved to travel. My mom worked for the United Nations mm. uh, growing up, so she traveled a lot. And I think that is where my uh, desire to travel um, came from. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I was also very lucky that when uh, working for, I, I worked for the U.S. Department of Commerce, and that took me to parts of the U.S., Um, And then I also worked for um, uh, the DOD and my job entailed me traveling. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I wasn't like I was choosing the places that I was going to, (laughs) um, but I would have to go to these places for work. And they Mm -hmm. were not always like the the regular places that most people would think of going like Paris or Mm -hmm. London or any of those places. They used to be like countries that wouldn't probably not be in a lot of people's uh, um, you know, on their horizon mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I went for work, I would take a couple of days off, uh, you know, always afterwards so I could explore uh, that city that I happened to be in. And so doing that over the years, I've just always just loved, I love the whole thing about travel. Like most people don't like flying. I love flying. <laughs> I love, I love airports. I, I mean, people are like, how can you love airports? I'm like, I really like people watching. Mm. I like a lot of my own company. So traveling is very therapeutic for me um, because the whole being able to just sit in one spot Mm -hmm. (laughs) and not have to, you know, worry about going here and there or whatever. Just that flight time allows me to read and Mm -hmm. think. And I Mm -hmm. don't watch. I'm not someone who watches movies Mm -hmm. when I'm on a flight, no matter how long. So I spend a lot of time just thinking things through and Mm. reading and writing or Mm. journaling, you know. Mm. And so for me, picking a place would sometimes have to do with if it's somewhere that I need to go to for work and then I would look and say to myself, okay, I'm going to take, take some time off, some leave off. And then I would look, okay, where is the nearest city from here that I could also add on, Hmm. add on to my trip, you know, to go to, but I have, um, so far, I think the only continent that I have not been in, uh, would probably be, uh, maybe Antarctica. (laughs) Is that a continent? (laughs) I don't think it is. 
And they have a marathon there too, Jules. So you could do both. <laughs> I, oh, I know. It's a list. The beauty is on my list. Oh, I cool. think that's the only there. And then, of course, I haven't been to Australia yet. Yes. So, but outside of that, I've been to all the other continents yes. um, yeah. as well. But I, I really, I, I don't know that I can even pick a place. Like I loved, um, I loved going to China. I've mm-hmm. been to China a couple of times now and mm-hmm. going to different uh uh, cities there I've mm-hmm. loved that I've mm-hmm. loved I loved Bali mm-hmm. I really loved Bali mm-hmm. that was Indonesia yeah. I really loved that mm-hmm. um, I've been to Europe uh, quite a bit and I do love Europe but I tend to feel like Europe is somewhere that I can get to easily exactly so I tend to spend more time looking for places that I know that ordinarily nothing would take me there <laughs> uh, um, so that's that's kind of how I pick I feel like in, in the course of just living, I might just find myself in Paris or mm-hmm. I might find myself close enough to go somewhere in Europe. Mm-hmm. But I find that I have to intentionally uh, get on a flight and go to, say, Thailand or mm-hmm. go to, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. or go to Indonesia mm-hmm. or go to, you know, China or something yeah. like that. So, yeah. so that's kind of how I pick. And I'm looking forward to this year. I have a, like every year I, I try at the end of December, I, I do a list of places that I'd like to go to for the year. That's how serious travel is for me. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to get there, how I'll pay for it, but I always have like my dream, you know, wish list. Mm. And so I make my list and then I start to kind of tick off on what's possible as the year, as the year goes by. So I look out for like good flights, cheap mm. flights, you mm. know, deals and mm. things like that. Mm. Or if I hear there's an event somewhere that I could work into um, something else, not just to travel, maybe mm. to, to, to do a course or mm. uh, to visit family or if a family, is, my family is going to have an event somewhere mm. or, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm mm. always looking out for like, ooh, this could take me here. Mm. <laughs> I could combine it and make it kind of justified in my mind that I'm, uh. I'm doing more than just buy the ticket and just taking off yes, you know i love that and i don't have any problem with traveling alone at all yes. because i've had to do that for work so yes. i completely i know a lot of people um especially a lot of women um they they shy away from mm-hmm. traveling on themselves they're always waiting for a friend or waiting mm-hmm. for a spouse mm-hmm. and sometimes they end up not doing these things because um, you know, they're just not comfortable doing it by themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going off off track a little bit, but I love it when I ad- identify a kindred spirit for two reasons. The first one is I can tell just by the way that you talk that you're an introvert. You love your own company. You love to recharge the thinking. You're just speaking my language. <laughs> so I always, I'm always like, yay, somebody else is just like me. And also traveling. Traveling alone is something I do quite a bit. But I, I so I wanted to just say, yay, I've identified a kindred spirit. But... <laughs> <laughs> but I want to I want to kind of ask you, Jules, because you talked about travel. We talked about fitness. You talked about running the things that kind of light your soul on fire, which is one of the reasons why yeah. I love doing this. I love talking to women. And you can always tell, you know, you start off just talking. And when they start to talk about their passion, you can kind of tell they just take off. So I guess um, I want to ask you based on that, what is your definition of success? What does success mean to Jules? Mm. Success for me is when I am living intentionally, Hmm. fulfilling who I truly am and being at peace with who I am, loving who I am and what I represent. Hmm. And um, for me, that's success. For me, that's 
feeling fulfilled. Um, uh, success in no way for me is determined by the number of zeros in my account. Mm-hmm. It's so far from it. And sometimes I actually have to say to myself, Julia, you need to be a little bit more <laughs> materialistic <laughs> in terms of like, you know, I'm like, don't you have this aspiration? Don't you know, like you see people say, oh, I just bought my uh, another uh, property or yeah. I just whatever. I'm like, what? Like yeah. that. Yeah. What do those things give you as the same kind of a, you know, and then I, you know, and then sometimes I have to say to myself, and this is why we have to be true to ourselves. And mm-hmm. sometimes I have to say to myself, you know what, that, that is not success to me. Mm-hmm. You know, when people try to put their own ideas of success on, I've had a, I've had a, a, a significant order say, oh, you know, you should really go do another, you should do an MBA or do whatever, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, or you should do this, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds good, but it, I, I, it just doesn't spark anything mm. in me. I'm quite happy and I'm mm. quite content mm. with just being me. So to, for me, that's what success is. Mm. I'm at peace with myself. I am intentional. Uh, you know, I'm true to myself, who I am. Mm. I, 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 I basically able to live, you know, whatever it is that's with inside me, is exactly the way that I live on the outside. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I I'm do. not, I don't have to, I do. to I, I'm not sure I'm making a lot of sense. No, you I, no, absolutely <laughs> It's kind of hard are. to kind of explain it. No, you know it what I mean? But just being intentionally. Yes. Intentionally me, yes. you know. Yes. Unap- yeah, that, that Unapologetically me, you, right? <laughs> that's true. That is true. Yeah. That is true. <laughs> no, it makes perfect that, sense. That to me is, success that yeah. to me is success success is that my children are thriving mm-hmm. um they 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 do not feel that they have to be anybody else but themselves yeah. to me and it doesn't really matter what that is mm. yeah. success to me is that my boys um feel free to speak to me about any topic at all mm. that concerns them without any fear of judgment mm. um success to me is that I do not try to live through my kids. Mm. I, I totally do not. Mm. Uh, I, I, and they know that, mm. you know, so they feel free to be who they are. That to me is like, I feel like, okay, wow, that is success to me. And I am, I am living that as well. So I, I, I success to me that they can see me living authentically and, and, and as such are inspired to live that way. Perfect. I love that. I love that. That's amazing. I love that question because success means different things to different people. So I love your definition Mm -hmm. of success. Thanks for sharing that. What does a perfect day look like for you? Who are you spending it with? What are you doing? So my perfect day, (laughs) which is so I feel a little embarrassed to say this. So my perfect day would be a day that I'm able to get out and work out early like uh, around 5 a.m., which mm. is like my ideal time. is mm. when I'm up before 4.30. I get to work out by 5. I am ready for work by 6.30. I'm at work. Perfect day is when I can just work and I do not have to do too much interaction at work. <laughs> it doesn't always happen. That's like that introvert, introvert. <laughs> I am able to get my work done, get out of the office. Typically, I get out just before 3 or by 3.30 or the latest. And I choose to do that because I get into work pretty early. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am home by 3.30. 
Mm. That is like a perfect day for me. And once I'm in, I am in my PJs. <laughs> I can go and I can just relax. Mm. I'm not really doing anything. I have no social mm. uh, events that I'm beholden to, you know. And typically, uh, that is the perfect day for me where there are not too many phone calls. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is my perfect day. And, you know, and where anybody who needs to reach me will text me. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I did not give you this script because you're describing me in a nutshell. That is my typical perfect day. But yeah, that would be my perfect day. Wow, that's amazing. Yes, because that's exactly how I would describe mine too. That's amazing. That's amazing. This has been an amazing chat. I've I've just enjoyed it so thoroughly. But before you go, you know, what is the best way to reach you? If someone has fitness questions, because I'm sure they will, you've been, you know, you're, I would consider you a fitness guru or expert. Uh, or wants to just tra- follow your travel adventures. What's, do you, are you on Instagram? Is there a way that they can kind of I follow am. you? Okay. Yeah, I am on Instagram. And that would actually be the best way uh, to reach me. Okay. Is on Instagram, on my travel. I have a, a travel and fitness page. It's called Unapologetically Jules Travel. Mm. And um, and you can put the link up if you, if you choose to. I will. And then that way it would be easy for people to reach me. And actually... I would love to get feedback on what people would love to hear me talk about or where they would love to see me visit or kind of ideas they would like to get from like wanting to travel solo or anything. Because I am actually working on um, a project called The Complete Experience. Hmm. Um, And it's basically me just marrying the two loves of my life, travel and fitness. Uh, and I'm looking to launch uh, sometime in, in the middle of this year. And basically what it will do is it would allow people who find it very difficult for them to travel on their own, um, to kind of experience travel in with like minds, with a group mm. of women. Mm. Um, and so that's what I'm looking at. And the, and the trip in itself obviously would be to somewhere beautiful, um, but it's not going to be like, it's not a boot camp in, by any means. <laughs> You know, it would basically be something that captures the complete experience, the wholeness um, of uh, trying to start a lifestyle that is intentional when it comes to your health and your fitness, when it comes to travel and just being authentically who you are. So Mm. it's basically like a retreat um, that will embody Mm. um, health and fitness, teaching Mm. people how to start that fitness journey, whether it's. Uh, you know, you're trying to eat healthy, how to, you know, kind of like, you know, dig deep into yourself to figure out who you are and, mm-hmm. and what makes you sick mm-hmm. and what makes you happy. So mm-hmm. those are the kind of things that I'm hoping, I'm hoping to do um, by the middle of the year. And it will, it's called the complete experience. And I will be talking a lot more about it on my, on my Instagram page. Um, right now, it's really mostly about my travel and all the different places that I've visited and my experience uh, traveling. Amazing, amazing. And uh, this, is, this is such a great way to end this discussion. And uh, we look forward to seeing how the complete experience unveils. And we wish you all the very best. Thank you so much, Jules, for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Gertie. Okay. I thoroughly enjoyed this discussion with Jules. 
Please visit the show notes for details on how to follow Jules as she launches the complete experience. I also include resources for people interested in starting their journey learning Igbo. The show notes are available on the website at www.theebo.com. You can follow me on Instagram at Ebo Initiative and on Facebook, The Ebo Initiative. Please tell your friends and remember to leave a rating and subscribe to the podcast. In the next episode, we really delve into the culture with Iom Ezekweche. So please listen in. As always, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye-bye.